Peter proclaims Jesus' resurrection publicly to the people of Jerusalem for the first time. Then he tells the people that Jesus has lived out God's plan for salvation. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Peter addressed the people, You Israelites, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at this as though by our, our power, our pity, we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate. Though he had decided to release him, but you rejected the Holy Righteous One and asked to have a murder given to you and killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and by faith in his name, his name itself has made this man strong. Whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. And now, friends, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. In this way God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, therefore, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. The word of the Lord. The psalm appointed for this morning is Psalm 4, found on page 3 of your worship leaflet. If you are able, please stand and we'll sing. be seated. We are no longer forced to stumble through the darkness of sin because we share fellowship with the risen Lord and our children of light. A reading from the first letter of John. 
See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, if we are God's children now, what will we be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this, when He is revealed, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. And all who have this hope in Him purify themselves, just as He is pure. Everyone who commits sin is guilty of lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that He was revealed to take away sins, and in Him there is no sin. No one who abides in Him sins. No one who sins has either seen Him or known Him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Everyone who does what is right is righteous, just as He is righteous. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus stood among the disciples and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. You may be seated. You've all heard me say any number of times that the world always looks better over a plate of food. Um, I suppose the days are coming when I can't quite be so so tied into that, Um, but it is, does, doesn't it? You know, when you've got friends gathered around and a plate of food there, you just think the world is great. In March, the vestry and um, mutual ministry coordinators got together for a workshop Um, David Malik from the diocese led it for us, and um, one of the questions that he asked him are, what are your devotions at Advent? What are the things that you are devoted to? And he stood at the newsprint and wrote down our answers, and not surprisingly, a lot of them had to do with food. Um, We as a congregation love to eat. Um, The lamb dinner at Easter time, the potluck suppers, um, we sort of organize ourselves around, around our meals. Luke, in this passage from his gospel, talks about an appearance of Jesus to his disciples. And just so that they won't think they're seeing a ghost, Jesus takes a piece of broiled fish and eats in their presence. When we tend to think about heaven, if we think about heaven or about what comes after this life, we tend not to think about food. We tend not to think about eating. 
Eating involves alimentation and everything that comes in its consequence, and we say, nope, that ain't going to happen. Um, we have accepted sort of the doctrine of the immortality of the soul. This body is an empty husk. Um, when it's in the casket, that part of our existence is over, and whatever continues, um, continues disembodied. That's not a specifically Christian understanding of life after death. If you read or recite the Apostles' Creed, which we all recited at baptism and recite every time somebody is baptism, baptized, we say, I believe in the resurrection of the body. Now, the early Christian church was no less uncomfortable with that than we are. And 200 years after the Apostles' Creed was written, the Nicene Creed was written, which we recite every Sunday, and it says, we believe in the resurrection of the dead. That's a completely different thing than the resurrection of the body. This body, oh really? St. Paul would have none of this immortality of the soul. He insists on a bodily resurrection. Now this, you know, it may be spiritualized, but it will be a body. We sow this body like wheat in the ground, and then the body that comes up is spiritual, but it's a body nevertheless. Part of our problem is the metaphor that we have for our bodies. We think we know what our bodies are, but it's a metaphor. I call it the medical forensic metaphor. Um, we see our bodies as a collection of organs and systems that interlock. Um, sometimes they go wrong. Um, I'm having a particularly bad day with allergies today, so there must be these little pollens, these allergens that are up in my sinuses, irritating my sinuses, causing histamines to come and sneezing and all of that kind of stuff. When we get ill, that means an organ or a system is not working right. Um, when we get cancer, it's this you know, out-of-control reproduction of cells. But we tend to identify, then, with our illnesses. When I have cancer, I am my cancer. And in that metaphor, food is about nutrition. And we worry an awful lot about nutrition. How many calories am I stuffing into my face? Is it good food or not good food? Will it help me live longer or not live longer? That's the medical forensic metaphor for the body. In Jesus' day, they didn't have that metaphor for the body. The body was instead a locus for relationships, a site for relationships. My body related me to my father and mother, to my siblings, to my extended family, to my city, um, all kinds of relationships I was involved with through my body. So demon possession wouldn't make any sense to us, but it did to them. When there was a social dislocation, a set of relationships out of order, they experienced that bodily, and that was demon possession. Now, it doesn't make sense to us, but it happens to us. When I'm having a really bad day at work or a fight with my spouse or a bad day with my kids, my shoulders get tight and I get a headache, and I say, well, that's just a somatic expression of a psychological state, yeah, well, it's in my body. So it doesn't fit with our medical um, forensic model, but there it is. So for Jesus, the body was a site for relationship, and food is therefore all about relationship and not about nutrition at all. In the story of Jesus' resurrection in Luke's Gospel, the first incident is the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, right? 
and they see Jesus walking with him, they don't recognize him, um, he begins to open their minds to Scripture. He's about to go beyond, and they say, oh, no, no, come in with us and eat. He comes in, he takes bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, gives it to them, and then vanishes from their sight. They're excited. It's seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They get up and they run the whole way back so that they can get back there that night and say to the disciples, we've seen the Lord, and then Jesus stands among them right here. And now he takes a piece of broiled fish and eats it. Bread and fish. Ooh, I'm beginning to recognize this meal. We've seen it before. It's the feeding of the 5,000 in the wilderness. It's Jesus' cooking the fish over a charcoal fire in John's Gospel. Early Christians and many Jews believed that in the last day, that final meal, that messianic banquet, was going to be bread and fish. God was going to take Leviathan, the sea monster who represented evil, kill him once and for all, divide him up and give him to God's people for food. The Christians are saying, we're already eating that meal. We're already eating the meal of resurrection here and now. And with the resurrected Jesus. So food isn't about the nutrition, the calories, the whatever you put into your face. It's about relationship. It organizes communities. We're working on a garden out here after church today. Some of you are in your grubbies, and I will change into mine. When my kids were little, we grew tomatoes, and one day as I sliced the tomatoes to put on the table, I said to them, you know what we're eating? And they said, tomatoes, right? And I said, no, sunshine, water, and dirt. That's where it came from. What we eat relates us to all kinds of things. It relates us to sunshine. It relates us to this ecosphere. It also relates us to the economies that bring the food to us. The farmer in Kansas grows the grain puts it on a truck, takes it to a uh, silo. It gets ground into flour, baked into bread, put on another truck, brought to the grocery store. That connects me to all of those economies. Think of the relationships involved. When I was in Louis and we went out to preach at Lozo, our sister parish, we had been eating really good food, um, very Western food, as a matter of fact. Um, at Louis, they'd been preparing it, sort of thinking about who we were. Well, we had lunch at Lozo, and they didn't have all of this wonderful Western food, so they served us linya and fish stew. And linya is ground sorghum, millet, it looks kind of like millet, and then um, boiled into a mush, and you put, they put a big pile of it on the plate, and you take your bowl and scoop up a pile. It's kind of pasty. And then you take a, your hand and serve yourself a chunk of fish and pour the, the liquid from the fish over your linya, and then you eat that with your fingers. It was the best fish I've ever eaten. Um, it was really good, and that linea was really good. And so when I think about bread and fish now, I think about that. Think of the relationships it involves us in. That's what food represents. And so Jesus takes a piece of fish and eats it so that they will know it's not a ghost, not disembodied, but connected to community. So when we think about resurrection of the body, do I really want to think about this 51-year-old body with creaky knees and bad eyesight being resurrected? No, that's not the point. Do I want to think about this body that loves to eat food, that's connected to people through food, that's connected to all of those economies, to Lozo, to Advent? That body being resurrected? Absolutely. I'm asking all of us to be involved in hands-on, face-to-face ministry and reflection. Lots of people are already involved. Some folks are working at Feed My People. We've signed up to 
serve a meal at Ronald McDonald House. We've signed up with St. John's to do a piecemeal. Do you see a theme here? Food, again, one of those basic needs. There's a line in that letter from John that says, we are children of God now, but what we will be, we don't know. It hasn't yet been revealed, but this we do know. When God is revealed, we will be like God because we will see God as God is. What we do in this hands-on face-to-face ministry in our meals together is we train our vision to see God in those relationships, to see the Jesus who eats broiled fish with us, so that when that God is revealed, we will be like that God. There's a wonderful prayer in one of the... um, Eucharistic prayers in in right to risen Lord be known to us in the breaking of the bread. We get involved in these things so we can see God in others, so that we can see God here and in the resurrection. Amen.